What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Rideshare Rodeo, Uber Lyft driver and gig economy news. Powered by UberLyftDrivers.com. I'm your host, SJ, and it's time to get it on. Welcome to the third Para Presents. Uh, David and myself, Steve, will be discussing a different topic with a different panel each week. David Pickerell is the CEO of Para, and he is on the opposite side of me tonight. There he is. Um, David, how are you doing? I am doing good. Thanks for inviting inviting everyone, and I'll do my similar awkward one. Thanks for having me here. So. Yeah, man. Yeah. You do it every every time, so of course, awesome. <laughs> uh, today, the so every, each week we've had a different discussion. The first week was um, our drivers safe. The last week we simply titled declined, but we got into a multitude of things. This one is: Do the algorithms decide the pay? And our panel tonight is pretty awesome. I I have had the the pleasure of working with all of them at least a couple times, if not many times. Um, I will start with in between David and I is Ash. Uh, that is Dash with Ash in Canada. If you haven't seen Ash's channel, she does great stuff. You don't have to live in Canada to appreciate what she's doing. <laughs> she's still working the apps we work. Um, right below me, I have Tony, the Driven Dad. Um, you can check out his channel. He uh, has a lot of insights on all of this stuff that we are talking about top dasher he just did it um, a lot of things we talked about last week we also have in the middle d- down below we have john dash theory tv um, our analyst our analytical guy always fun love having john on how you doing thank you thank you and uh last week we missed ron which was really tough because ron uh at com uh is um, he was a big portion of our discussion and, and I'm very, Ron, thank you so much for sending over the data you did. Cause I know that, you know, there was just a, a juggle in your schedule, but at least what you did send me was extremely helpful. I thought, and David and I were actually able to hold down the discussion enough on it. But I think, <laughs> like we said, we'll touch on it a little bit tonight to make sure we got your perspective correctly, but, sure. um, but yeah, so you guys, you can find all the panelists channel. In the beginning of uh, uh, or in the show notes, so make sure to check them out. Watch a watch and like a video. Subscribe to them. Um, for some of them, it's a website. And here is our last minute edition. We have Michelle. Hi, Hi Michelle. Hi. Hi. Am I in okay. the dark? <laughs> yes, but you did it just in time. If you want, you can even just kill your video. Okay. Yeah. And it'll just okay. and leave the audio on. Sure. Or that works. Whatever. Yeah, that works. 
Um, so Michelle now, luckily she made it in time. Uh, she runs two of the largest Facebook groups on DoorDash. And those will also be in the show notes. And by largest, I mean between them, they're like 180,000 group members. Um, so they're the two of the largest DoorDash Facebook groups, if not the largest. Um, but welcome, Michelle. Glad you could make it. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Hi, everybody. Hello. Okay, so um, so do the algorithms decide the pay? So tonight we have a panel of experienced gig workers in different cities, even different even different countries, and with the exception of Ash, she is our one in the other country. So um, uh, we've got a little bit of everything here. I always like doing it that way because I feel like you guys appreciate it a lot more when we're all in like different situations. Now, a couple of us are in the same market here of Denver tonight. However, we're talking about dis- different aspects of Denver. So uh, that was nothing more than just these are the best people for this panel. So uh, so using all these, all these people are using different apps and strategies to maximize their earning potential in their markets. And that's what we're going to run through tonight with some different topics and different ways of approaching it. So I have seven questions. And if we have time at the end, we will see if I left anything out and uh, if we can get to it. So let's just start off with some easy stuff and go around. And just so we can get an idea, uh, maybe the market, say the, the market you're from. Uh, and if you live somewhere, but you work in a different market, just specify that. And which apps you have worked, and if you could, which, like, even if you don't work it anymore, of all the time you've been in the gig economy, which apps have you worked, and what's been your favorite, what's been your least favorite? And Ash, we can start with you. So um, my market is, I'm in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. I do deliveries on the South Shore, the opposite side of the bridge of Montreal. The apps that I currently do gig work for is Uber Eats, Skip the Dishes, Instacart, and DoorDash. And I've never worked with any other ones because they don't have them available in my market. And my preferred favorites starts with Uber Eats. Right now, I'm crisscross between Instacart and Skip the Dishes. And lastly, DoorDash. Lastly, DoorDash. Um, David, I will come to you last because I feel like you are working on the apps a ton more than actually working them. So I want to hear, have you hear everybody else's answers first and then see. Uh, Tony, um, what about you? What, it, what, what apps have you worked? I know you work a lot. Um, and which, what, right now, if you, if you had to say, what's your favorite? What's your least favorite? All right. Yeah. So I've worked... Uh, Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, Amazon Flex, Grubhub, Shipped, Instacart. I think if I didn't say that one, um, Spark, and probably some others that I just uh, I'm not thinking about. But my favorite one is Lyft, just because of the Lyft Lux Black category that I have. And my least favorite is by far Instacart. <laughs> and I work here in the Denver Metro market. Yeah. So what 
what Tony was talking about by, by, I mean, a lot of people can qualify for that level of lift driving, but Tony does that by, he also, which we'll probably touch on tonight. He drives a rented Tesla, not from Uber, but from another company that gives you full commercial insurance by renting from them. So you're fully covered to work all the apps Um, and your own business too. Right. Right. Whatever you want, really. Right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, John, uh, apps you've worked and then a favorite and a least favorite. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, so, uh, I'm out of the Phoenix, Arizona Metro and, uh, the apps I've worked, I've done DoorDash, Uber Eats, Grubhub, Shipped, Instacart, Point Pickup, Corner Shop, and then most recently Walmart Spark. I think that's all of them. Yeah. And uh, I'd say like right now, my favorite has actually uh, recently become Walmart Spark. And uh, I would say my least favorite, uh, Instacart. Yeah. I want to come back to that because I know that John had a lucky experience that a lot of us don't get. John actually had that opportunity to work with Corner Shop. Like even in Denver, big market, we didn't really get it. John got it for a little bit. And he was experiencing that like like ridiculous amount of pay, or what's what it should be amount of pay actually, right. but, but right. good pay to do it while it lasted, but it's gone. And uh, so I feel like now, yeah, while I feel like Sparks is new thing. Um, Ron, what about you? And before Ron says anything, he never adds rideshare drivers, so I want to add that Ron was a taxi driver in Omaha, <laughs> and he, happy cab and that qualifies as more than a rideshare driver. Well, yeah, kind of. I, I remember back when I drove a cab, I always kind of wished that you could get your own car instead of have to lease it. Because this was back in the early 90s. It was $200 a week to lease the cab. And uh, so it, I always thought that uh, Uber and Lyft, those guys were geniuses when they finally pulled it off. But anyway, right. that's the problem when you get me on is you can take me, I can take you down rabbit holes so easily. Oh, yeah. When you get Ron and I on a podcast, forget <laughs> it. Sometimes we got to like figure out where we are. Um, so, I'm in uh, Denver, and I've done delivery with Postmates back when they were a thing, Uber Eats, DoorDash, Grubhub. Um, I've done Viho. I've done Curry. I've done Deliver That. So they've all been delivery. Um, and... I haven't gotten into any of the shop and deliver except for some of the orders on DoorDash. But really? uh, I would say, and, and honestly, because I've been doing this more than four years now, that my favorite has gone back and forth. There was a while that um, I was pretty stoked whenever I got a Postmates order. It was like they didn't come along very often, but when they did, I was making more money on the average from Postmates than I was from anybody else for the time that I put into it. But, but you know. They, they just weren't busy in my market, unfortunately. Um, for a long time, Grubhub was my favorite because uh, they were just killing it here in uh, uh, Denver, especially. I mean, they they were dominant and you were just always busy. And you could you could turn down stuff left and right and just get something good right after it. And so you could run all day just on, on Grubhub and do quite well. Um, Grubhub has kind of gone down the toilet. And uh, right now, I would say it's probably Uber Eats. Yeah. So I, I do need to add to what Ron, Ron and I have talked about this Grubhub thing before. It's so weird, you guys. I always am of, I always say to Ron that I think every one of the delivery platforms was failing in 
in un un like you you couldn't even believe how bad they were failing until the pandemic. Yeah, it's like why do these companies even exist? Nobody's using them; they suck. But Grubhub was the only one with like a logical design. Yep, yep. You know, I, to make I sure that like believe that uh, DoorDash may have had to shut down if it weren't for the pandemic. Uh, oh, because yeah. they were at the end of their funding pretty much. Uh, this is my theory anyway, but yeah. it was like, you know, they were unprofitable. It was all that stuff. They kept saying they wanted to go public, but they couldn't because they weren't profitable. And it was like, I think they were at a point where they weren't going to be able to get much more investor funding. And, and if they had gone public back then, it would have been a disaster. And then the pandemic came along and changed everything. <laughs> yeah. And now sure. everything is different. Right. Rideshare totally ride yeah. went upside that was, down. That was Instacart too, right? I think Instacart was also in that boat. Yeah. I yeah. feel like Instacart took like a little bit first though. Like at first people were concerned about getting the groceries. They just wanted food for the day. <laughs> oh, I, I think I wrote something back and it was like December of 2019 where I was just saying – I, I think this whole model could go away because I think it's just a house of cards that's ready to collapse. Yeah. And then, of course, everything changed with the demand for delivery. And I still think it's a house of cards, but it's yeah. just going to take longer. Yeah. Michelle, um, how about you? Which apps have you done and what, what is your least and, and favorite? Steve, again, thanks for letting me be a part of this panel tonight. Um, uh-huh. I, I, uh, my delivery partners include uh, DoorDash, Grubhub, Uber. Wait, did we lose the volume? Yep. So Whole Foods within Amazon Flex, which I, I love to do a Whole Foods order, and uh, Instacart. Uh, my favorite, it's 50-50 Uber Eats and DoorDash. Uh, on any given time, it's uh, at any given time, it's just fifty-fifty, and uh, Grubhub would be my least on that. But Instacart as a whole would be my total least fave. And I, uh, if I if I don't do another Instacart, but I want to keep it in my back pocket. You know, I'm not going to ever give it up. Um, but that's how I feel. Yeah, I, I think every. I don't know. I think I, I've never really kind of asked John about Instacart maybe directly. He knows how I feel. Um, but like Instacart's my, I mean, like I'm on a camp, a crusade to end them. So I mean, not only are they my least favorite, I'm like, I'm against them. I'm, I hate them. In, Instacart? <laughs> well, yeah. let, let me also, uh, as, as you know, uh, and David knows, I, I got into this, after being retired. So this is my first foray into the tipping economy, and I, I like it a lot. Um, when I did the Instacarts and I got to the delivery part, uh, I often felt like I was uh, a lesser person by most of my customers, which did not make me feel good. Um, uh, I, and even uh, no matter what grocery orders I do, I always feel like I'm being uh, talked down to in any in any respect, and that that's that's troublesome in, uh, to me. Has anyone else experienced something like that? I've experienced troublesome with every one of the apps, so I don't, <laughs> I don't really know how to jump in there. <laughs> Am I the only right. one that likes Instacart? <laughs> Do you really like it? I mean, yes. I, 
Ash, I see a lot of stuff you post. You some yeah. you post some of the things I see that are just ridiculously awful. Just the most <laughs> awful things ever. Maybe the maybe the stereotype is true and they're they're just nicer in Canada, so you don't get you know, at first I thought Ash just had me thrown because I was like, Well, she's using kilometers, not miles. Like maybe I'll, I don't know. And then I'd look and I'd be like, no, this sucks. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, the conversion one mile is 1.6 kilometers. So uh, when it comes down to it, I find the offers aren't absolutely that dreadful here. But if they are, I just don't accept them and I move right. on. Right. But I find that maybe it's just the Quebecois here. They're friendly. They're courteous. Uh, they go in and they tip me more after they meet me at the door. Really? But I don't Steve. know. I'm like really energetic, so maybe that's why. I don't know. Well, many of us are too. And <laughs> honest, honestly, I'm wondering like if that's a Canadian thing because I, I have never heard one person tell me they've had an after tip on Instacart. Not oh, ever. Yeah. My friend gets it all the time. He sends it to me massively all the time. I'm like, what are oh. you doing? Steve, my son yes. loves Instacart. I can send you the evidence. Last night at 1130, he got a $20 after tip. Because the store, was I believe it. Yes, he got a twenty. Uh, so Instacart is great in my market for those that want to do it. But uh, yeah, every, while I'm in a grocery store doing it, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I could be making so much more money doing food. So why am I? Why am I? I find it's that? the opposite. Do you? Yeah. I'm like, oh my goodness, was an Instacart order where I can make sixty bucks in two and a half hours instead. Right. And see, I can't make anywhere near that, but I can work different apps and make that high end too, but it's not those apps. Again, this gets into the market to market part. And, uh, you know, um, so I guess this, this is maybe a good time for me to bring in this because it's not like we all have an answer to the topic of tonight. It's more about, I think, exploring what the topic is tonight and uh ron i'm gonna have you go last because i'm hoping to tie you into um into what we talked about a little bit last week but david first of all from your experience before we move on uh worst app best app and i maybe for you from not from the workers perspective but what you've what you've heard, what you've learned, what you've seen from the yeah, para end. i'll answer it sort of two ways so me having done it done the work i've worked on doordash instacart uber each grubhub curry shipped and a local one in san francisco called jupiter which was sort of a covid competitor to instacart basically and what they were trying to do was say hey you don't really need your instacart in the next three hours how about you schedule it for some time in the week so what they would do is i'd be a driver i'd go to safeway and i'd buy on behalf of probably you know, 20 people basically, and that would get put into their cold warehouse. And then the next day you'd go on sort of a route and deliver it. And I remember no hate on them, but that was the one I liked the least because they were young and they were trying to prove themselves. So they wanted exactly what the customer ordered. So the customer had ordered, you know, four, one, you know, four, 100 toothpicks and I could only find packages of three 100 toothpicks and the answer was basically we need to make sure the customer is happy so you're going to go around to all the Safeways until you find the four pack of 100 toothpicks not the oh three pack of 100 toothpicks and I remember being like oh man this is <laughs> this is the worst this is the worst uh, wait there was no reach out to the 
they had the they had you of, separated from the customer to be in touch. Correct at the time, yeah, at the time. And I don't know what their system was now, but I just remember being like, I can't believe I'm driving around to four Safeways to find the four four pack of toothpicks. You basically. just gave Instacart one additional bonus point right there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but I think sort of uh, talking from sort of like the technical perspective, yes. uh, what's really strange is Grubhub actually has a pretty sound app, despite the fact that it feels janky. It doesn't have a ton of features, but from the way they've built it, it's actually well built. The cowbell um, doesn't help either. Yeah, yeah. It's just like it's sort of one of these weird ones where it's like you guys built like super solid foundation, but decided not to build on that foundation, basically. But your foundation is as good as Uber's. Uh, and everyone else is just way, 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 way worse, basically. And I think that's always been sort of the surprising one to me is uh, a lot of effort went into building what they have over there. But it feels like they never quite took it to what it could be, right, or built sort of the features for. Or the pandemic wrecked it. I mean, like like Ron and I have talked about their momentum all the way up to the pandemic. It wasn't like great, no, but nobody was great. They But they were better than Uber or or DoorDash for sure at the time. Yeah, when I started, they had the market share that pretty close to what DoorDash has now nationwide or whatever. Grubhub was like, there was nobody close. And DoorDash and Postmates were fighting it out for last place. <laughs> right. David, do you think um, do you think part of the problem with some of the other apps is maybe they tried to build too much on their platform? Almost like they tried to add too many things to it or something, and the base didn't work. You know that side of things a lot better than I do. That's always been my theory. Yes, I th- uh, a bit of that, but I think, frankly, it's just they don't care, right? So I think it's just, you know, if it's a shitty driver experience where it crashes and you're on dash and it doesn't work, you know, it's a lot of effort to go back and rebuild it to feel more solid. And I think it's just... They've done the calculus. It's just not worth the effort to make it more solid, basically. Uh, I think the other one that's interestingly that's quite solid is Instacart, to give them a shout-out. But I think that was forced because of the whole sort of bot issue during COVID, basically. Interestingly, Instacart has a really solid app. Although to really zoom out, I mean, the best of the best is Uber. Uber's really got their shit together, yeah. That. But, yeah, but we really but a, but we have to we I have to real quickly point this out. I mean, Instacart was looking at IPO last year, right? Or 13 months ago. They were they were they were placed at what was it? 48 billion. Okay? Well, in May they decided they were 24 or 23 billion. And at that same time in May, Bloomberg said not a penny over 14.5 billion. So when I did that math, they're losing about $3 billion a month. So if they're worth 14, they got about five months left. I mean, I know they don't. Something will happen, but they're not. Nothing good happens with Instacart. In fact, I just saw last week that they had paired with Big Lots, uh, Staples, and somebody else. And I was like, gosh, it's like four companies that are going out of business. Oh, you know what? To kind of say that um, this, you know, we never know what we're going to get on our Facebook group, but we get everything. A girl had uh, sent in that she went to pick up a shop at, at Big Lots for, for DoorDash or, or Uber, and she listed everything. She literally had to bring toilets, 
mirrors, all this. She couldn't get it in her car. It was crazy. It was like a big hardware order. Yeah, Instacart um, and DoorDash both now have furniture delivery. So I mean, yeah, that's crazy. What it is. I've done it. I've delivered a ceiling fan through DoorDash. Yeah, so I mean, they're just they're you know they're just taking advantage of the space. I think the way they introduced it to their drivers was poor, poorly done, or not done at all. It was like an email, and the driver never even saw it. That he's like, why am I picking up a desk? Um, yeah, but exactly. but yeah. So stepping in, so here's the part about the algorithm. I want to like maybe this will help get the, this kicked off about this. So it this is obviously opinion of each of yours. Um, do the algorithms have patterns that you've detected? Now we all know um, that the al- the code changes, things change, but even if it's been multiple times, has there been algorithms or slash patterns? I want to be very careful here. Because they're not, it's not algorithms. But have you seen patterns in your market that you've detected? And also, do you think any sort of payment caps exist? Um, so we'll just uh, start with Ash, and I'd love to hear what you think. Um, I find it interesting that uh, I got chose for this topic right at the t- time that I'm testing out Skip the Dishes. Uh, so for Uber Eats and DoorDash, no, I don't. I do believe that when it comes to DoorDash, if you don't play nice with them, you can't schedule as much. But beyond that, you can still get on the schedule. The payouts and such are fine. I don't really see a cap with them. If anything, DoorDash does pay me the highest when it's terrible weather here. Uber Eats, absolutely not. Nope, nope. I could get 50% acceptance rate or 0%. They're yeah. still going to give me my, my money. Um, and they're still going to be crappy offers too. With a skip the dishes, it's different. And I've been testing it. And I have a video that's coming out tomorrow actually talking about it. It's the fact that when it comes to skip the dishes, I have sat at a 0 to 10% acceptance rate for the longest time. Now I have boosted myself to what they call like a top skip person and I'm at like the 80% acceptance rate. And when I reached about 40% and onwards, the offers were coming in. Besides that, I would talk in previous videos that I would sit with a four hour block and get zero offers from skipped editions. That's my Um, take on it. So David, what's your take on this? Good question. Uh, I think yes, to some extent, right? I think a lot of these algorithms are not as complex as one would think. So I think they're really what they're trying to optimize for at the end of the day is sort of, a, you know, getting the trip done at some sort of a price with people who are closer, et cetera. And I think that a lot of the time there are sort of like unintended consequences of some of the algorithms mm-hmm. here. And I think sort of back to the, like sort of the, like, you know, I guess premise of sort of this discussion is I think if you're only working on one app and, you know, not being picky, then you really are at sort of the, you know, beholden to the algorithm because you're just feeding with what you get. But it really is if you're picky with what you get, you're working on multiple apps. The algorithm has some effect on what you see, right? But I think you're able to, you know, break free of that. Even if you're, and I want to extend on that too, because David's right. Even if you're just, 
coming on to the apps and you're hearing this right now, like, yeah, you might not like, yeah, get comfortable with the app first before you multi-app. I always say like yes. add an app, work it a little bit, understand it. And if you don't like it and you're going to keep it in the arsenal though, then just do that. But like, so if you only know the one app and you're hearing David say multi-app, I think that also by that, he means if you are only on the one app, be selective from the go. Don't think that you have, because they put the words acceptance rating in, don't mean anything. I agree. You know, I do agree. But now I'm getting right out of the gate. Do what you need to do. Take good offers. I don't know if you guys have this with any of the apps there, but Skip the Dishes offers an incentive. And the incentive by being one of their top drivers or whatever is you cannot receive an order less than $8. If there's a $6 order, they top it up to make sure that it's $8. So your minimum is eight at all times. And you have to accept eight out of 10 offers to get that incentive. Okay. So at least there's a bit of a perk to it. It's not just I'll flood you with more offers or I'll give you a $20 versus, I don't know, a $14 offer or something. That doesn't really seem to make a difference, but at least there's a minimum perk towards it. I also think that why you notice sort of the algorithm changing is there are sort of like things that feed into it that do get tweaked, right? Oh, so I, I think so sort of, too. Yeah, when I sort of worked at Uber, we'd do this analysis of like, you know, hey, what are the average, you know, what does earnings look like? And, and at the time, I was sort of uh, working in Las Vegas, right? And we do this analysis of like, hey, what does the strip look like versus locals versus, you know, all of this. And there was a lot of sort of like, we're trying to win business with locals. So we're going to change the structure of sort of strip earnings versus non-strip earnings. Uh, and I remember something really interesting that happened there, right? Was that we had to do this analysis that basically said like, hey, the wait time and the time on trip doesn't really work on the Las Vegas trip because have you been there? during a boxing match or have you been there during CES? It's a disaster basically. And I remember that was like the first time in Uber's history. I think I made like, we did the analysis and said, Hey, we should lower, we should raise uh, the minimum pay basically. Right. And we did this yeah. whole analysis on like, Hey, like this just isn't the same as everywhere else. Like it's not fair just given the dynamics here. So I think at the time I remember my manager saying, there's no way in the history of this company, they've never raised minimum floor pay basically but we went and did this analysis and it actually got approved so i guess the reason i'm telling this sort of long story is that i don't think the algorithm is super sophisticated and like a hey we're accomplishing all of these things but there was there is somebody who's looking at it at with some sort of a geographic sense of it looking at it right so there is some complexity which is why i think people pick up on patterns and behaviors and stuff like that because it's just it is happening I'm about to go to John, but Tony, I'm going to skip you because until you and Ron, because you were you have been a top dasher this month. Um, but yeah, so John, uh, you and the algorithms, and again, yeah. you don't even need to think of it as well. However, you view it, are right. there are there because you're good at this stuff, man. Are there patterns? Are you seeing patterns with a lot of the apps? And if they change, you know, was it a change? Like, was there an update that day? And all of a sudden, now there's a change in your pattern. So as far as pattern wise, I think the one that I've actually noticed a pattern on before and kind of tried to document it through videos was with DoorDash. So, and I kind of explained the specific pattern that I saw. So with DoorDash, I think a lot of people talk about your overall acceptance rate, right? And what I found, and this is uh, unique because I tested this kind of after the first time it happened uh, during a different shift. So the first day, 
uh, I tested my intra-dash acceptance rate. When I say my intra-dash, meaning like if I schedule a shift, for example, a, a lunch shift from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m., uh, it's just looking at my acceptance rate from the time I turn on that dash till I end that dash. And I did this one day during lunch where I just said, okay, if I try to track my intra-dash acceptance rate during lunch, does anything different happen? What I noticed is that that day for the first time, and this is only time I, well, this was the first time I've seen this, that I accepted consistent orders. My intra-dash acceptance rate was around 30, 35%. And I started getting a triple stack orders, meaning I would be, I'd get one order, uh, I'd maybe get another add-on. And then when I'm on the way to deliver one of those two, I would get a third offer before I've even dropped off the first. And I was like, hmm, that's the first time I've ever seen, you know, getting three orders at once. Uh, so that I did that once during a lunch, and I did that, tried to test that again during a dinner rush, kind of dinner shift again, um, trying to – because usually my acceptance rate, just for reference, is usually around, I'd say, 10 to 15% overall. So uh, going to 30% is kind of double for me. So doing that again during the dinner rush, uh, trying to realize that acceptance rate for my intro dash, I was able to, once again, I got an order. I'm sorry, I got a stacked order, I think, and then I got an add-on for that. So once again, getting three orders. Um, outside of that, that was the only time I'd ever had three orders at once on the DoorDash platform. Um, but doing that, I was able to um, recreate that at least three or four different times in my market. So that's the other thing, the other exclusion I'll say is I don't know if that was something based on my market, based on the order of uh, based on the order volume at that time, because there's certain things that have to be in place for that to even be able to be possible. Sure. Um, so that's the one pattern that I see that I notice uh, with other gig apps like um, never noticed that with Uber Eats or with Grubhub uh, in my market. I just don't think there's the volume there for that to even be tested because um, I just I don't get Grubhub orders often enough, maybe two to three offers an hour. Um, and that's when I'm multi-apping. So, you know, there are some time where Grubhub is off. Uh, and same yeah. Eats. yeah. So Michelle, um, what about you? Have you, again, it doesn't need to be algorithm. Let's kind of more say patterns. Have you seen patterns on apps that have lasted oh. for a certain amount of time or, you know, things where you're pretty sure you've figured something up. And, and the reason I'm, that we're talking about this tonight, guys, is because there's a lot of people, like we discussed last week out there, saying there's a lot. And it's, you know, is it clickbait or is it real? Is, are they really trying to talk about this? Saying, saying we have broke the algorithm. It's everywhere. And I don't like this. And I'm not, I'm not upset at anybody for doing it. People create how you want. I'm just saying... I don't think anybody has broke the algorithm. Nobody. So you've seen, well, how, that's why I'm saying you've seen patterns at best. So Michelle in St. Louis, have you seen patterns? Oh, absolutely. I can, I can definitely talk patterns. And again, I, I taught statistics, so it's, it's, uh, it's right up my alley. All right. So uh, again, it's so market driven uh, let me just tell you, St. Louis, St. Louis is a community of 3 million folks, and we have everything. Uh, lots of office workers, lots of out-of-towner, major airports. We have uh, colleges uh, that are in session, and all these people are ordering. So my, my uh, 
thing is to be out in the road. My shift is to be out in the road no later than 11 a.m. And there's no point in any earlier because the restaurants just aren't open yet. Uh, but you've got to be up by 11. And I sign up. I stay out till 3:30 because everybody usually leaves at two, and I get that hour and a half where I get a lot of the orders. In my in my market, the DoorDash orders are nonstop. Uh, they they never stop. But here's here's where the patterns come in. Uh, of course, I I'm not a top dasher. Never have been. That's not my thing. I am in the large order program. And that's worth its weight in gold. That's where you become the top earner, of course. And uh oh, oh, there we go again. Perfect timing. <laughs> while we're wait, while we're waiting for Michelle to come back, um, I do want to mention that last week we did discuss this. Please, folks, know this: you do not, you do not need to be a top dasher to be in the large order program. You do not need to be a top dasher to be in the, in the large order program. Okay, Michelle, you're back. There you go. Okay, I'm back. Thank you. So, uh, and, and I'll just skip on to the weather-driven aspect. Um, where I live in the Midwest, we can have a 50-degree fluctuation in one day. We can be at thir- in the 30s in the morning and in the ni- 80s or 90s in the afternoon. And also... We get snow and all that. So I can tell you that I go by the weather. If it's bad weather, I am out dashing because uh, when the weather changes, uh, the algorithm or the pattern that, that I see is nonstop orders. I don't care about the peak pay because, again, I'm looking for the large value orders. And uh and I get them. Today was the first day I've gotten a $2.25 order, which is the lowest base pay in my market. Uh, they just don't send those to me. So I also noticed that because I would never accept those. The sweet spot is $6.25. That's where the hidden tip is, of course. And, uh, yeah, so the weather issues, being out when in the in the peak times of Dinner, dinner starts at 5, same thing. If I get out between 5 and 6, I am guaranteed two large orders will come in. And hopefully those two will, at dinner time, of course, will be 30 to $40. Right. So, okay. So, Tony, here's where we move over to you before run because I think that this is going to mesh up well. Tony did Tony – has, Tony's been a top dasher in the, in the past – However, this last the last month he made sure he was top dasher for this month. And this month he's been documenting every, almost I think every day your top dasher experience live. And Tony, what what have you learned as we reach that point where you're going to have to re-earn top dasher? Because if I remember right in the first day, the first day of you being top dasher, you got your acceptance rate under 20%. Right, right. So, um, because I have other project going simultaneously with, uh, my September project kind of conflicts with where I would need to maybe sacrifice some earnings for three days. I guess my point is, would you though, did you learn enough? Did you see enough this month to go, man, that is worth it. I need to drop everything and make sure I do this every month. 
No, to me, in my experience, it's the same this year as it was last year. And when I stopped caring about getting top dasher at the end of the month, it was when I was sitting side by side with my wife and our phones were side by side and she was getting orders and I wasn't. I had top dasher. She never had top dasher. Not even when she signed up, they didn't have the uh, free top dasher program. I don't even think they had top dasher when we signed up, but um, so the first day that we're side by side in the car, she's getting orders and I'm not for whatever. But this, worth. but this, but this time around, let's just say just the money. Cause here's the thing, Tony, you're a veteran gig worker for years now. I know, you know, your stuff, right. you've worked a lot of apps. I know you do, you, you choose when to do rideshare. We live in the same market. I know rideshare right. since 2014. I know it always work in bad weather and that, that it pays triple to quadruple and all that kind of stuff. But right. you, you've now done Top Dasher twice. This last time, I feel like you did it more on the challenge to side to see if a lot of these people saying what they were saying was true. Did you find that to be true or did you, did you find that a big portion of that was the large order program and people not knowing they could just get on it? All right. So uh, I'll speak to that is... I decided to do this Top Dasher project in order to have an unbiased opinion because I have no ill will towards either camp. Cherry pick yes. all the time, That's get Top Dasher all the I time, know you don't. or um, get Top Dasher and then cherry pick. Like, however, like I wanted to show my experience as a Top Dasher for um, accepting everything for 100 orders. And then my experience as a top dasher, well, I guess my experience of maybe not being a top dasher, but how much you get paid to accept every order um, for 100. And then my experience as a top dasher with a 99% acceptance rate and um, without large order program. And then in the future, once I have large order program, I want to compare large order program, non-top dasher, and then large order program as top dasher. Okay. Um, but to answer your question, will I, if I were to only be on DoorDash and that was my only app, in my experience, I've made more without doing top dasher than doing top dasher right. in Denver. Right. Well, and that's the thing. We, I mean, everybody's nodding and we're all in different markets. So right. it seems like the, and this is the general consensus, guys. If, if you watch this tomorrow, obviously leave all the comments on both sides of the camp because, you know, just, just write them thoroughly though, because each market is different. This is just the, what I'm saying is most of the people I talk to in any given market say bottom, they don't even blink bottom feeder, not top dasher period. Right. But well, Ron, and then if you, if you even oh, look at Denver, there's multiple markets within Denver as well. So I'm not willing to go downtown and figure out the parking scene. And it right. may be a good thing downtown, but um, unless Lisa's willing to chauffeur <laughs> me downtown. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, Ron, because you weren't here last week. Uh, so here, here, last week we discussed your findings on Top Dasher, which again, thank you for sharing with us. I was kind of scrambling like, oh no, Ron's not going to make it. I got to read all his notes. <laughs> Luckily, you kept him pretty easy to, to get and i was like okay give me a chart everything we're good um 
but now you are back and uh, I know you had more data and you were, you know, you're always writing great articles on entrecareer.com. So can you give us the breakdown? I can put the graph up even however you want to do it of how you would have said it last week or anything you might have to add on what you learned, because I, this graph is pretty awesome. And I think we will all relate to it. If you didn't see last week's round table, we won't keep it up too long, just long enough for Ron to explain it. And uh, here it is. Okay. Yeah. So this was, I, and I did something similar to Tony. I did this back in February and March where, I mean, I started out like rock bottom with acceptance rate. I took a hundred straight, for February just to get, and, and attract every detail of every order, you know, how long it took, how far I drove, how much I was paid, how much it was offered. I had screenshots of all the offers, all of that stuff. And, and then I compared that to 100 straight deliveries as top dasher in March. And, and again, every detail and all of it was trying to, okay, you know, are there, is there any area where DoorDash is offering better deliveries? Because the problem is everybody says, I think I'm making more money as top dasher, or I think I'm making more money, not as top dasher. And nobody's got really the data to compare between the two. So I did that. And actually my pay, my average pay per hour was just a little bit lower as top dasher. So it kind of lines up with what Tony was saying. Uh, the offers really weren't. and and But the amazing thing about it was, and I think this fits into this whole discussion about algorithms is that if I break that down into like 50 delivery chunks, my averages are almost identical in, in all aspects, the average tip, the average uh, offer, average, everything, uh, average hourly rate that I'm making. Um, it, 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 and, and ultimately what it comes down to is it's, it's, it's more about, I think, the law of averages. In a particular area, there's just an average amount that people pay or that DoorDash pays. There's there's an average amount per delivery, and it doesn't take long for those averages to start to kind of even themselves out. And so in that regard, I mean, generally, I was making right around between nineteen and twenty dollars per hour before expenses when doing all of that and but and that was taking every single order because that way I couldn't you know for one, I'm not trying to skew the uh um the results by what I decide to take and not to take, but two because it was only the only real way to know what that delivery was actually going to pay, but after I got done with that on that chart, yeah, then I did a uh just kind of an analysis to say, okay, what happens if I only took the top 90% of orders or the top 80% of orders and at which rate does it start to pay more and which rate does it start to pay less? And, and on that chart, there were three different lines. One was your acceptance rates. The blue was if you had an average of three minutes between orders, you know, that'd be a real slow market. You're waiting three minutes every time you turn down an order. This is, but this is being top dasher in every scenario. No, this, this has nothing to do with top dasher. Okay. I mean, okay. it, it was numbers that were based on, I was taking 100% of or every order. So all of that, but what I did was I took all 200 deliveries and I sorted them by how much they paid uh, on an hourly rate. 
Okay. And so if I took, um, if I accepted 90%, um, how much would that pay per hour? And so way over on the left-hand side, you know, everything kind of started at about $20 or about $19.50 per hour. Right. And then you kind of see that difference where as you get to about 10, 15. Yeah. You know, about 10 to 15%. That's where the peak earnings were. You know, that's, that's your best money right there is at about, at about 10 to 15%. Now that's provided that you're real good at determining those top orders. Sure, um, sure, sure. But I do know. notice too on this one that the one minute in between, Mm-hmm. Never from the start till the end, even, even at 5% is always higher than the beginning. Right. Yeah. If you're in a place where you're getting just back to back to back orders and, and honestly, I mean, I'm, I, I'm in Denver as well and I'm very rarely less than, or I'm very rarely more than a minute between orders on DoorDash. There's just, you know, you turn it down and there's always another one coming right after that. So right. there's hardly ever much of a wait. And, um, but if you get into a point where it's like three minute wait, you're still better off at about 50% than you are at, you know, top dasher or a hundred percent, but then it drops real fast and real hard. And, uh, and again, because now you get into a point where you're sitting, you're sitting idle more often than you're out delivering. And so if you're rejecting 10 orders in a row and it's a half hour, you know, you could have been making money doing a delivery within that time period. And that's, that's where it was. So, so the, the point of that chart was just trying to find that sweet spot for acceptance rate. Um, which se- which oh. seemed to be like, and I remember, I don't have them all up here today, but I even had the, the David and I were going through what you had written about each one. How mm-hmm. on each line, you know, this was the sweet spot, 40 yeah. to 60, or it was 15 to 25 or 30. Yeah. Um, but so is there any reason? So, okay, what, what, so here, here's, here's that follow up then. What, why is there top dasher? Um, it's, it's all about, uh, trying to entice drivers. It's, it's all about a carrot on stick. It's, you know, there was a thing that I learned in sales where um, one of the best things or one of the most profitable things that sales coaches will tell you to do is put together a package of things that you can offer as kind of an extra that don't actually cost you any extra money, you know. And uh, when I was in telecom, they said, you know, you could you could sell maintenance programs by saying, you know, we'll put you in a priority queue. And in other words, this way you'll get through to one of our people right away. Didn't cost us anything extra, but it sure made it sound like they were getting something for their money. And that's that's exactly what DoorDash is doing with Top Dasher. It's what all these companies are doing with any of these things they're promising. They're trying to make you think that you're getting something special for accepting more offers and they word it in such a way that it really sounds great. But then when you read their wording, you got to read their promises like a lawyer, you know, you'll get up to this much or you may get extra or we'll give you priority on um, high paying deliveries. When, when you dig into what they're saying, all that means is they break a tie. And with their algorithm, I don't think there is such a thing as a tie. (laughs) 
that, right. you know, it just, uh, you know, so it's, it's all things that make it sound like you're getting something special and they don't have to pay extra money for that. Then if they get enough people to believe the lie, then they can get people to do things without having to pay them extra. Right. That's, that's what I think that's all about. No, and I love um, your analysis there on this, Ron. And I think to sort of flip like the title of sort of the thing here is like what like the, your own, in, you know, people deciding what they should accept or not, or if a trip is good or not, what you said is you building your own algorithm in your head, right? That's yeah. your own mental model. And at the end of the day, a algorithm is a model, right? So mm-hmm. I think to flip it is like, you know, hey, your algorithm determines on, you know, determines your pay. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Or like, or, or, or even another title, David, would be, uh, do you know your algorithm? Yeah. yeah. Knowing your algorithm would earn you the most. For some people, it's a gut thing, and you know, but you know, you feel it or you know it, right? Mm -hmm. But I think that's where it gets really interesting. Is I guess, uh, you know, maybe this is always me getting a little wonky on this, but like, in order to push back on the platform's algorithm, people have had to develop their own algorithm in their own head to learn to navigate that. But an even more perfect system would basically have a way for your algorithm or for what you want to talk back to those systems, right? At the end of the day, that would truly make things better, right? So it's like, sure. I, I'm not going to go drive there. I'm not going to go do these things. This is the price I would be willing to accept. That's sort of happening right now, but the platforms only hear that in the, let me hit reject to give you a random BS reason as to why I'm rejecting it. And I think that's, I guess, where it's a little where it gets crazy here is but like I would love to somehow find a way to be able to take the algorithm people's head and actually feed that back to platform. Right. That's, right. that's, that's why I said like you said know your algorithm. Do you know it? It's like I said with skip the dishes. As soon as I hit 40%, I started to get more offers. But it's like if they were still gonna give me crap on a stick, I would have clicked decline. But they were getting more offers and better offers at 40%. But do I think if I go to 100% with Skip the Dishes, they're going to feed me more? No. If I got my 80%, I know my minimum will be $8. But if you're going to give me crap on a stick, I'm going to decline too. You got to know your algorithm with each one. It's the same thing as what when you guys are talking, you know, Top Dasher. Sure. It was said. doesn't really make too, too much of a difference. Right. And I think they know that you're – so they know like – Okay, she's she's not taking them. She's not taking them. She's not taking the. Uh, yeah. It's like that forty percent. Dude, we can't let her go under forty, or she just yeah. won't come on here anymore. No, when so I was on there, they gave me nothing, zero offers, zero anything. And at first, I thought, okay, my market is that dead. It's not the market because my market hasn't shifted dramatically. It's a little bit better, but it's the fact that it's their ratio. It's if you're a zero to thirty with skip the dishes, they don't like you. But if you're 40 and onwards, and I think most people might be comfortable with the 40 and onwards, it's not too, too shabby, but every market is different. Sure. I mean, yeah, and I noticed like in my little comparison that there usually wasn't a lot of difference between 40% and 15%, that it was kind of like that area just kind of leveled out. So yeah, like you know, usually you weren't gaining a whole lot more by dropping down to a 5% or a 10% or something like that. Um, and then if it was a little bit longer wait between everything, maybe, you know, 60 to 40 or something like that was very similar. But, um, you know, the thing about it is these companies, they all said, okay, you're going to do business for us as you, you're going to do these services for us as a business. 
we're going to hire you as a business. And too many times we think like an employee instead, but, you know, take them at their word. You know, that's the algorithm. You take them at their <laughs> word and you say, okay, you're my customer. And now you're going to give me an offer. That offer is a bid for my services. And if you're not paying me enough, if you're not meeting my price, then I'm turning it down and I'm going to open it up to everybody else. And so all of you guys can bid for my services. And that's the reality. And that's, but you know, they don't want that out of us being independent contractors, but that's, you know, the whole thing is beat them at their game. And, and it is take them at their word, treat it like a business, treat them like a customer and treat their offers as a bid for your services. And yeah, I think it's I think it's funny, John. I'm going to come to you in just a second about something, but I think it's funny because a lot of people don't know that Para, like I I've talked to David many times on, you know, one of the services Para should that he's wanted to see it be is like, you know, your personal handler. <laughs> you know, like it knows your money. It'll just deal with all these apps, and it'll it'll figure it out. Like it it, it has your back. <laughs> it's got it's got your back. You know, and it knows you, and it knows what you're looking for. Um, I wish I wish it could be one day it's like you could tell it, hey, I want to make the most money or you could do something such as, hey, I got to pick up my daughter from school at 1 p.m. So I can only work in a 10 mile radius the three hours beforehand. And by the way, we all seem to hate Instacart. So don't give me no Instacart, basically. And it's like that, you know, that's, that's where I life. We'll see if we'll get there. And I think we will. But that's really the world I, you know, because that way you really have sort of a person's preferences being talked back to the system. David, you just mentioned my preference about my son when I just mentioned it recently. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, don't give me an Instacart. I got to go pick him up from daycare. (laughs) Yeah. So, John, here, this is a question I want to ask you because I feel like you might you might have a different answer than most on this. And I don't know why I'm just taking a, a shot here. Is what would the reasons be? That because I've seen a couple that I that I don't even know other people point out too often, but where you, where top dasher might be necessary. Right. I think there are some. I, I want to see so, if you think there are some and what they are. Yeah. So um, two things. I do think that it's the market dependent. Number one. So I think it's also lifestyle dependent. So for example, somebody that's a full time driver, you have a larger. Uh, a larger span of hours where you can be on the road and drive. So in that case, if say you can schedule your full day or can schedule the evening, the morning, and uh, you have a couple more options. And I think that in that case, I don't necessarily think that top dasher uh, is something that's necessary for you. Uh, Now, if you have a market that you can't get schedules, uh, then maybe you can top dasher might be something for you. Uh, If you have a market or you have a lifestyle where you can only drive through a specific four hour shift or you don't know when you're able to drive, but you know, you're going to need some time every day, then maybe top dasher because you're going to need to be able to dash. Now you're going to need to be able to jump on there anytime without restrictions. Um, And so that's the case where I think top dasher would be specifically good. Now, outside of that, um, like kind of like Ron said, you know, he mentioned that 10 to 15% acceptance rate when that's where I typically hang around that 10 to 15% acceptance rate. And uh, I think if you're looking to maintain that, um, well, like the new method, I don't want to say the new method, but the most popular method of Top Dash, where I think people maintain that three out of the four weeks of the month, and then, you know, they work on their acceptance weight the last week. And that's um, what I call the bipolar cycle. It drives me crazy. You know, let's <laughs> let's play DoorDash Joe. He's a, he's a good, become a good friend of mine. He has to do that because he, only because he can't do Dash now in Detroit. 
unless he does that at the end of every month. Right. And so, I mean, to keep that, that's the other way I would think you need to top, be a top dasher. You need to maintain that. So, you know, um, that first three weeks, it works for your lifestyle. But if you lose that, then you would actually have a, a resulting loss of income. Then you probably need to be a top dasher. Yeah. I mean, if, if you lose income per hourly basis, we'll say for one week out of the month, just so you can maintain income for the entire month, you, you probably need to be a top dasher. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tony and Michelle, this is maybe this will be kind of a combined. I'm looking for the answers from both of you on this one. So if, okay. If, if being the, you know, if, if, if being a top, there's a lot about being a top dasher right now. Part of it is the large order program. And I think that a lot of people who were talking about top dasher forgot to mention that you don't need to be a top dasher to be on the large order program. The other part that I think is a little strange is that I hear a lot of things from a lot of different people. Again, guys, this is not one source. These are a lot of the people who are trying these, these out right now and saying this are saying that better orders go to the top dashers. Now, the only thing I can figure out at all is that they're talking about the large order program and they're just not saying it correctly. But do you guys, Tony, you've been a top dasher now. Um, Michelle, you run 180,000 people between your two Facebook groups. Do you think that there's anything to that fact that better orders go to the top dashers? Personally, uh, I do not even uh, think, where are those orders coming from? Uh, I, 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 I'm stymied by that. I, uh, I, just my, my words won't come out. Uh, I hear that. And I hear what you all said about the couples sitting next to each other and getting the different orders. Uh, I, you know, my, my, my rate stays about 10%. I don't know who would get better orders than me because my merchants tell me how good my orders are. They'll say, Oh, you got the, all the big ones today. They, They tell me. And, uh, I uh, also I wanted to mention too that our uh, two main pages that groups that we have with all the all the folks in there we try to maintain a harmony between top dashers and not yeah uh, which is not easy so we we try to we try to keep, <laughs> but I uh, we we try yeah. our best and you know it's you know all the memes and everything that they use for top you know it's we try not to let that happen. But, uh, well, that's how, just so everybody knows, that's how I'm trying to keep this discussion too. I'm not saying top dasher or not. I'm, I'm trying to just kind of put this like we kind of did last week to rest of, you know, this is just some opinions from different markets with different views. So, so you said the keyword right. markets. Yeah. Yes. So, but, but I'm really interested, Tony, to hear what you have to say about this too, because. Because I'm not know, in. I, well, no, because I know you know some of the some of the sources I'm talking about who are saying right. these things as fact, as fact, not as an opinion, as fact. Which you know me very well, Tony. You know I don't like that. You know that I think everything has to be put into an opinion basis. And when people start doing that other stuff, I'm not a fan. But <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that's me for pretty much society right now. But. to keep it to this specific topic. Um, I will say that uh, the day that I had Lisa in the car with me um, 
I'll have to do another test on this now that I have it on an Android where I can check the widget to see what the order contains because it won't show you the subtotal until you accept, but it will show you what the items are. Um, that every order that I did end up taking that was a 70 to $99 order did not go through her phone first. She did get orders into her phone before I got orders, but none of the orders that I took that had the high ticket that I did accept went to her phone first. <clears throat> so um, I am not in the large order program either. So I didn't receive as a top dasher any so far this whole month, anything more than $99. Okay. So I guess I'm I'm having a little trouble dissecting the answer there. I know it gets confusing, but the way I keep seeing it is if we're just kind of wondering if ah, I can't really tell, that tells me that for all the work you have to do for Top Dasher, personally me, I wouldn't do it. Personally me, I just wouldn't ever do it because I'm not hearing any, nobody has sold me here in this in this panel Um, oh yeah you should be be, at least try it because here's why nobody's even saying at least try it never tried it yeah um so i mean okay so i have one last question here and then we'll go around the table and see if anybody has any last comments but this is i want everybody to give this one an answer and we'll start we'll start with david here and just kind of work to ash and then tony and go down the all the way but uh so, David, if these companies had 100% complete transparency, would you care about the algorithms or blame the companies for anything pay-related other than, hey, we're, you didn't send my pay to my bank? <laughs> yeah, I think that's sort of a separate thing, right? I think having transparency is a right, so that should always be the case. I think even if you have transparency, there is sort of still stuff that, you know, games that can be played stuff the algorithm can still be used to do so from my perspective uh i guess it's sort of a bit of a cop-out answer but it's not that simple but you know it's a good place to start right so if there is a world in which at least there was transparency so you could make the decision on whether you wanted to take something or not i'd say that's more of the way there and that's necessary so okay but do you but again do you would if you're shown a hundred percent transparency on any given app, everything you need to see, would you care about the algorithms? Do you care about the algorithms or do you blame the companies for anything pay related? Uh, I wouldn't. Uh, I mean, if there was a hundred percent transparency, I would be happy where I would like to see more is the ability for people to multi app easier. Right. Yeah. And I think when we talk about sort of having your own algorithm or something like what at least I've seen in the data is, you know, the, People who make the most money tend to run multiple apps, and it's just too damn hard to do that right now for a lot of people who aren't pros or if you drive in a market where it's raining on cobblestone at night, et cetera, et cetera. So really making that easier, I think, would just really, you know, if they made it easy for you to decline, for you to really juggle all these apps at the same time and provided transparency, then I think there wouldn't be any blame. Ash, what do you think? 
Well, I mean, you know for a fact, Steve, that I've went through a huge transition recently because yes. of the recession and such. I lost my full-time job, $27 an hour, solid income, commission, the whole shabam. I mean, stock marketing, I had benefits, you name it, I had it. So as a person that has recently significantly had an income deduction, if I had transparency with these companies and I knew it wasn't BS and it was accurate to what they were putting out, that would make a huge difference for me. I'll play their game as long as they serve it up properly. Because with the company I work for, I knew for a fact I was making this much per hour. This is what I want. This is what I need. There was things involving commission that I was like, ah, I'm not doing that BS. Have a nice day. But everything else was set in stone. But then again, there's one problem with transparency. It's now you work for me. So as a gig worker, the best thing is I love the independence, the freedom. I feel like if there was a transparency, they were showing you this, they're doing this accurately, there would be a lot more of a whip towards us of, guess what, guys? Now you have no choice. We're probably going to put you in our commitment of this four-hour block. You can't drop it the way we do now. So I would love it because of what I've been going through recently, but I would be afraid of it because every damn company has a plot twist. And before I move on, I got to point out with Ash that when we had around the round table, um, we won't get into this fully, but um, a lot of us were under misconceptions about healthcare in Canada, yes. which she kind of set us straight on. Not everybody gets healthcare, <laughs> no. at least like anything worth anything. No. Um, she made that very clear. So that was, I thought, what was a big perk about Canada for a long time. I'm glad she set us straight. Well, it's uh, uh, cheaper. For example, I go to a dentist. I don't pay two grand up front. I swipe a card and I pay maybe $300. Now, but you were I also go to pointing out like how like people that didn't have anything, even yeah. though you're allowed something, how bad that something is. Yeah, you got to go to an ER for being stabbed in the arm. You're going to be waiting 14 hours to see a doctor, minimum. Right. Yes. I mean, so, I mean, there's just, I mean, it's <laughs> yes. just not, it's not, maybe it's not the way a lot of us, does. that's all I wanted to mention. But, <laughs> yes. Um, Tony, if these same thing, if these companies had a hundred percent complete transparency, showed it to you up front. And I, I will say that I do personally, I do think that that is being independent, me being an independent contractor working for laser and production companies, pre gigs. I do think that that's the way I'm shown things. Hey, this much money for this many days. Here's where you're going. I mean, if you're showing me everything, 100% complete transparency, would you even care about talking about the algorithm, Tony? Or would you care about um, the companies? Would you blame the companies ever for, man, that was a low-paying gig? Or... No. So in my opinion, we need more than just transparency in like the offer that is coming through our phone. I think that we need transparency within the documents that are given to us to sign a contract with the company. For example, um, Grubhub, Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, Spark. Those are the ones I use the most. Nowhere in the contract that I sign does it say, if you have this program put in X company's program, will you then have access to 
all of the orders versus some of the orders. So then you can set your price because all of them tell you in the contract, you are independent because you can set your price based on accepting and declining anything that comes through. And that's how you set your price. So if I'm getting full transparency, but I'm still limited to the amount of offers that I can receive because I'm not on X program, then um, the full transparency portion is only part part of the battle yeah, plus 100 to that you that was what i was trying to say but you just said it so much clearer like <laughs> yes yes yes, yes. Like, yes uh john dash theory what do you got so two thoughts that come to my mind on, on full transparency um i think that a by human nature we're always going to be trying to find the the best way to do something so i think even if we do have full transparency and then people are able to say okay um i can consistently hit 25 dollars an hour people are going to try to figure out hey how can i get 28 how can i get 30 so there's always going to be people trying to dig into that algorithm or trying to dig into the details to try to find out the 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 best foolproof method for lack of better terms um, but the other thing is that when it comes to full transparency, I think that provides a separate opportunity for the companies to begin hiding things in plain sight. So I, I think, well, you may have the full transparency on the front end as far as what's on the offer screen, um, but I don't think we'll ever have full transparency on the back end, on the algorithm, uh, on some of the things. Like we can guess that things are working a certain way, but we'll never be able to really confirm that. Right. But you wouldn't be able to blame them. Whether you like it or not, there not it is. for those reasons. Yeah, right. You, you would just blame them yeah. for shallow reasons. I mean, you can go kick a wall and stuff <laughs> if that helps you. I don't know, but <laughs> um, Ron, as I come to you, I'm going to try and also say if there's any because one thing that I see too, um, and I'm and after uh, Michelle, I'm, I'm I really you guys have given great uh, opinions here. I'm not even going to go, but you and I have talked about a lot of political stuff. And I see a lot of alignment with if they go to full transparency, a lot of stuff goes away that you and I talked about that a lot of people don't even know is going on. Um, but what do you think if, if even if it's just to this question, but if you can throw in a little of that, that would be. Oh, uh, if if I start on that tangent, we'll be here another half okay, hour. So, <laughs> But you can go back and um, watch anything Ron and I have done. We talk about it on every one of them. I... <laughs> So I'll, I'll start off with kind of an illustration. You own a store and if you own the store, you know, people are going to come in, they're going to try and screw you over. Somebody's going to come in and try and shoplift. They're, they're going to try and do stuff like that. You know, I always look at DoorDash as that customer that tries to shoplift, you know, <laughs> that, that these guys are all going to try and screw you over some way or another. Um, but I can live with that if they're my customer. And so I kind of with that, that that's my philosophy. And, and I think because of that, you know, I don't feel like I don't blame them for anything about prices or anything like that, the way things are right now. I just look at it as like, you know, they can offer me crap and that's their right to do so. And I just turn them down. And if at some point nobody's offering me enough, then it's time for me to close up shop. Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, so I don't know that it makes a whole lot of difference to me if there's more transparency. I, I don't blame them. I just look at them as my customer. And right now I can still make good money delivering by this whole bid system that somebody's going to pay me enough. And, and at some point somebody won't. Um, but at, at that point, that's my responsibility as a business owner is to know 
when, when does the business model no longer work? You know, so that's kind of my way of looking at it. Sure. Uh, Michelle, I'm sure you have a lot to say on it, but uh, let's, let's hear what you got. If they showed hundred percent transparency, would you care about algorithms and all the stuff, all this stuff? And would you, or, or in any way, would you blame the companies for orders you took that were at, even if like John said, there's back end stuff there, there, yeah, they're, let's be honest. They're never going to be transparent, but if they're showing you everything, not just partial miles, not just, Hey, there might be a tip. There might not be, there might be this. Well, let's play some games like, no, just straight up offers, straight up transparency. Right. I, I 100% support tip transparency and I wish that they would do it. I, it, it, it's very sad uh, that um, people are trying to pay their bills and work and, and uh, oftentimes people are doing charity work for others. They're driving long miles and, and they're expecting to get something more, even on a $3.25 ride. And it's just not going to happen. They're dreaming. Uh, I, we would like to see uh, something like a, a bidding system. Uh, we've talked about that as well among among in our group. Uh, but uh, don't dislike the company. Uh, we view it kind of, I, and personally, I view it as a platform that I'm able to work off of. And I do the best I can working off this platform. And and I make my own market. I know my market. I, I try to, as I said, I try to, that large order program is everything for me. Right. Sorry, like, lights went up. So I focus on that large order program. And so today when I got the, the $27 order early, you know, I didn't have to put together a couple of $7 orders. I had hour and so uh yeah and and i have so many voices in my head with all the people that we represent because they're from all over you know i have 190 restaurants right in my midst here in my market where other people say that they have seven and i see 20 30 40 dollar tips all the time thank goodness uh, where other people say they've never, ever gotten a $10 tip. So how do you exist? How do you keep dashing? What's your motivation? If yeah. you've never gotten a $10 mm-hmm. tip, who here wouldn't work if they could never get a $10 tip? I don't know. I mean, it again, I, I always have to say that there are two factors in your earnings. There is how much are you earning, but then there's the equally powerful, what is your cost of living? Because that's huge too. You know, I mean, if if like say, you know, I'm making the same as somebody in rural eastern Colorado, they're they're going to be able to have an eight bedroom house. I'm going to be able to have a, a efficiency <laughs> or rent a garage or something. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so that becomes so, a big factor if the pay. You know, I mean, big, 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 big. Right. And who goes out? Do you all have a goal? I have a goal every day that I want to make. Do you all have your goal that you, you know, I, I have that goal and I, I don't stop until, until that's accomplished. And, and then I, I want to, you know, I enjoy doing it. So I, I enjoy the, the gig work. And, you know, I spend about four hours a day on our group as well, our groups. Yeah. Um, 
So I, th- I think the overall takeaway here is that a David kind of was right. This is a more of a how is your brain wired? Or is your alg- do you understand your algorithm? And that might be after you what you are all watching the premiere of this. That might be the title of that. Who knows? <laughs> but I, I do feel like that was more what we tackled into. And I do feel like that when we do this and we have different markets everywhere, um, I feel like it helps a lot of people understand what we're talking about when we say market specific, because, you know, like even when we were talking about apps, I was hearing apps like, I mean, Ash even mentioned one that we don't even have down here. I mean, and then, but even between everybody, you know, a couple were working Spark, a couple don't. I know Tony's been on Spark, Spark. Everybody brags about Spark. We never had a good Spark run here in Denver, as far as I'm concerned. Like I never heard people just going off about, oh, Spark is crazy. Maybe Van a little bit, but it was only for like a week or two. <laughs> and for those who don't know Van, he's he's awesome. He, you can find him around. I won't even plug him, but find Van. Um, but um, yeah, I really appreciate everybody's contribution to this conversation because I think that this is a big deal. I think there's a lot of misinformation out there that is leading people down paths that they don't know any better yet. And I don't, that's the, I guess that's what I want to see taken away. If, if people can watch this and understand you don't, you don't need to don't do things that feel wrong. And if somebody's telling you, this is what's going to make you more money, but it feels wrong, go with your instinct. Do not go with some of this stuff. A lot of everything's opinion. Everything's market specific. Everything is in your world, the hours you work, how you flex time yourself, how you play their game in your city. There's so many factors that affect the algorithm, which then affects you being the best you on these platforms. That's my takeaway. As as well, Steve, the reason why you hear so much of you need to be this or you should be this or this is fact or this is whatever it's negativity cells yeah. and I don't Ar- speci- arguing cells. Yeah. I don't know if you're specifically indicating, let's say the YouTube world or just looking things up on the internet. Cause I didn't ask that, but I'll say this it sells. And I'm pretty sure if I'm looking at the panel here, I can't be completely confident, but pretty much all of us are gig tubers and so you know catchy titles are catchy but it's not everything i think the most important thing is every single one of us are all in a different market and any single person watching any other person you got to keep in mind you're going to be in a different market but negativity sells so if i can sell you well i made a buck more but that's and that's why ash this is this panel because these are these are good people who (laughs) who won't steer you wrong and so that's what I really like about the crowd that I like to put myself around is that if they don't know, this crowd will tell you, I don't know. Yep. They're not going to just shove something down your throat. And I always appreciate that more than anything. So David, do you have any words to take us out? Uh, no, I guess sort of, uh, you know, if there was full transparency and the way for people to talk back to all the systems that to me, you know, it you shouldn't have to, you know, one right now, the best way to make most is to build that mental model, but just to have to always be on and always be running that while you're driving is just difficult. So I sort yeah. of uh, 
encourage everybody to do that. And I hope that through all the efforts of people here and through all the other efforts, we can move to a world in which people eventually won't have to do that. But I'm just thankful. Yeah. Thankful for everyone here. Yeah. Thank you for that, David. And thank you to the panel. Again, everybody's YouTube channels, websites, or Facebook groups, because all are represented here tonight from different markets are all in the show notes. Please check them out, subscribe to them, do what you can. And next week, uh, the para panel is staying motivated and coping with stress. And it's going to be quite different than this one, but I think it's going to be very interesting. So join us for that. Um, These premiere every Tuesday on the para channel at 7 p.m. Eastern or 4 p.m. Pacific. And uh, we will see you back here next week, everybody. Thank you for joining us.